Hello and welcome to Is This Room Free? My name is Martin Drake and I'm an ex-HR professional who is now the founder and managing director of Hire People, a recruitment business that is raising the standards in the way recruitment agencies operate. In this podcast, I will be talking to HR professionals and listening to the stories of their careers. I will be finding out about the journeys they have taken and what they've learned along the way. The purpose is to help others in the profession identify and understand the various paths available and take inspiration from my guest speakers. Whether you are someone who is looking to get that first step on the HR career ladder or an aspiring HR director, I hope you get value from my conversations. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hi everybody, welcome back to another episode of Is This Room Free? Um, I am very, very excited about uh, this week's guest. Um, it's uh, Justin Dorsey from um, Dallas in the US. And uh, the reason I'm really excited is I've been following Dustin for a while on um, LinkedIn. Um, he puts out a lot of really, really good content, um, some quite thought-provoking posts um, we were just chatting kind of before we started recording and talking about the difference kind of between reactive and um, and proactive, progressive HR. And I would definitely say that Justin seems quite influential within his kind of network on LinkedIn. And he's certainly somebody who likes to challenge the status quo, maybe in terms of some of the, the kind of the thought process around HR um but yeah just really from from everything i've seen of him posted i'm really really interested in this conversation because he seems like a great guy and i'm really just somebody who likes to come up with a question throw it out there and 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 get into a bit of a debate in a good way so justin welcome to is this room free well thank you very much for having me i really appreciate it i you know i'm wondering uh from an accent standpoint, if they can pick up that I'm from Texas or if it just sounds like a regular American or not. But uh, all that to be said, uh, you know, thank you for having me. I really have been looking forward to this, kind of circled it on my calendar. I just like to have, you know, the free flow conversation, just discussing and debating topics of interest to HR people and people in the business world, because ultimately HR issues are human issues. And that kind of is how businesses are run in the first place. And so thanks for having me. No worries. Well, uh, just for the kind of the listener's benefit, um, when when I have a guest on, we we kind of um, almost go into like the, the kind of the TV green room before we kind of start recording. And, yeah. and I always have a chat with people. And inevitably, we always start talking about some really good stuff. And I'm like, oh, no, we need to save this for the podcast. <laughs> and I've just spent about 15 minutes, me and Justin, just really kind of talking about some kind of conceptual stuff, a bit of philosophical stuff. And I'm like, right, let's stop talking. Let's just hit the record button and, and, and kind of get going with this one. Um, but yeah, from, from kind of, like I say, interactions that we've had on LinkedIn, couple of chats that we've had kind of previously and then just for recording, I'm really looking forward to this one. But Justin, do you want to kind of give people just a brief kind of introduction of um, kind of what you're doing right now in terms of your 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 job, who you work for, that, that sort of thing? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I've spent almost all of my career working in corporate HR in a variety of different industries from small startups to big multi-state organizations, you know, so I've, 
I've worn an HR hat for a long time, but recently last year made the switch into consulting in sort of a an HR outsourcing model that we do here in the United States called a professional employer organization. And basically smaller businesses, usually under 50 employees come to an organization like ours, mainly to get, they start off wanting cheaper insurance rates, better benefits, access to HR technology, workers' compensation, and they have more buying power because they're part of a larger group if they join with us. So the, the benefits they couldn't get as a 10-man group, they can now get as a 15,000-person group, right? So much more competitive rates for them. But where I come in is on the HR consulting piece. And so we really just dive in with our clients, figure out what they're what they're doing now, who they are, where they want to be. And then we see how we can help them from an HR resource standpoint. And it's everything from handbooks to training to policy development. And it takes on a lot of different forms. But ultimately, I, I really just value building that relationship with them. So ultimately, you know, I feel like an extension of their company, even though, you know, I'm sitting in my house. So it's it's been kind of fun making the switch from corporate into consulting. Well, before we kind of rewind the years and go back to your kind of introduction to HR, I'm, I'm really just interested in about, about this piece because as you were talking then, I've already got kind of questions popping through my head. Um, so I'm probably going to scatter you with um, a number of questions in one question right now. So I'm going to apologize before I start. But um, just in terms of because it is a unique switch that going from kind of in-house HR to um, outsource consultancy side. And I guess one question one or or, or one part A maybe is um, and I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, of which do you prefer the kind of the in-house or the consultancy because I know there's differences kind of either where I've kind of had chats with people in the past and then I guess part b was um and this might filter into part a as well do you feel because you said I feel like I'm an extension of their business um and I guess one of the downsides that I've heard about um working outsource before is that because you're not internal, you're not fully integrated, and a lot of it does tend to be transactional, and you never kind of mm-hmm. get to see the fruits of your labor, if you will. So if you're doing, you know, working on a project, you kind of hand over the finished project, and then you never get to see the kind of the benefits of it. That was like, let's say it's a big kind of an employee engagement project. You kind of work through it, you finish it, but then you don't get to see the one month later, six months later, one year later of, you know, what was the results of all of that magic that you you kind of went in and did? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know how, how you answer that, but just my kind of initial thoughts out there to what you yeah. said. Well, I'll definitely take a shot at that because, I mean, corporates was a great learning experience, you know, because you kind of build up a, a HR knowledge foundation just based on experience as well as outside training, education, things like that. But ultimately I prefer the consulting side just from a variety and different challenges standpoint. I mean, I get to work with way different clients, you know, from day in and day out and it's and each one's kind of got their own story that they're writing. And so I get to come in and be part of that. And honestly, I'm, 
I'm glad to be behind the scenes and just supporting them. And I'm like, I always say like, you guys can get the credit and I'll help on the backside providing the resources, you know, because ultimately they're the ones running their business. We're not doing that for them. And they, they don't even have to take my advice. You know, I'm really just advising on, on risk and options and potential consequences and things like that. Um, So my relationship building is really with kind of our client contacts. And, you know, I think sometimes people in who work in HR, maybe an HR department of one are kind of wary of a, of a setup like we offer them. But I think it's great when our, our clients have HR because then they are truly the boots on the ground and I can just support them, you know, whereas with a, if it's the office manager or even the president of the company, they they may not have necessarily an HR foundation. And so it can be a little bit of a different approach working with them versus working with somebody who's got an HR background. So I, I don't know. I definitely prefer consulting. I thought I, I thought you'd say the variety piece would be the attraction from that side. That's the kind of the the usual one that pops up is that, that breadth of yeah you know, something, something fresh you're always going on because you're dealing with so many clients um and maybe kind of part b then so um you, you might actually not find that part b is an issue because um you know i, I don't necessarily know the model of, of kind of how you, how you guys work but do you ever feel a little bit sad that you don't get to see the fruits of your labor from any of the work that you've done or do you get to see it i, I think you get glimpses of it i mean i think you get to see the, because some of the things that maybe if you've been in HR for a while, they're just naturally part of how you spend your day. And there's things that are on your mind and that you've been there, done that. And, and you bring that. And it seems quite simplistic sometimes to offer it to the client. And they're like, wow, what an idea. You know, so you kind of get those little moments where you're like, well, that feels good. They didn't, it wasn't on, it wasn't necessarily on the radar until I brought it to their attention. And they're like, that's a great idea. We're going to run with it. I'm like, cool. So, I mean, there's plenty of satisfaction to be gained from that. And then also just, you know, kind of building out sort of a roadmap with them because everyone's got prioritization based on business needs, employee needs, things like that. And so because we kind of build that together, yeah, it may start off with a handbook, something pretty straightforward. And then it's like, then as we prove ourselves that the foundation, the bottom of the, the foundation gets built, and then we can start to kind of bring in the more strategic side of HR as well. And so, but you kind of have to earn, you know, I always say you, you got to earn the right to be at the table and stay there because you got to deliver and execute on the basics, you know, pay people, give them benefits, those sort of things. If you're not doing those things right, nobody wants to have a conversation about strategic HR when you can't deliver on the basics, right? So it's a good combination of both. Yeah. Do you, um, so I've got, I've just got another question as well. Do you feel more pressure on you in this role? Because essentially you're, you're an outsourced paid for service. Um, so if the client doesn't feel like they're getting value for money, they can just cut you off. You know, there's, there's, there's kind of other providers that they can go to. Um, whereas it, when you're in-house, you know, it's kind of your, you know, that's your job. Obviously you could get, mm-hmm. you could get dismissed, you could get fired, but you know, that may be, um, you, you'd be maybe given more, um, 
chances um, if you kind of weren't, you know, on point every time in an internal role. So, GA, do you feel a little bit more kind of pressure in the role that that you're in now, or, um, or or not? Yeah, maybe you just kind of really back yourself. Yeah, I definitely have felt that pressure and experienced that, you know, and it's it's tough for me. I'm a middle child, so I'm like kind of a, <laughs> a people pleaser to begin with, you know, and I I need that validation, and so. I always say I want the clients to not feel, I want them to know that I'm not their only client, but not to feel that way necessarily. And that's a pretty high bar when it comes to responsiveness and delivering on a high quality of of service to their company. Because a lot of times a client will outgrow us at some point or bring HR in-house or maybe move to a payroll only company and maybe I was just in their life for a season, getting to help them out with some things along the way to kind of build that foundation for the future. And so that's kind of given me a bit of peace because, you know, I don't, I don't ever want to lose a client, but at the same time, that pressure really comes from just all of the spinning plates. You know, you're trying to make sure that everyone's taken care of because ultimately when they've got an employee related issue, they need it resolved. And, and they're not necessarily thinking about, client B or C over here, you know, to them, it's the most important thing and rightfully so because it's their business. And I mean, the truth be told, who go, what entrepreneur even starts a business thinking about HR? Like very few, right? They're like, no, I want to make widgets. I'm really good at it. And I want to make it and sell it. And okay. And then HR comes along sometime in that process when you add more people. Right. And so I just try to keep that perspective and, and just make sure that I'm, I'm meeting them where they're at and, and in order to kind of help whatever season I'm getting to help them out with. Yeah, cool. Good. Yeah. So I feel like I've, I've kind of grilled you from the beginning that I, I didn't mean to. I just, it's interesting, I think, because, you know, people have, people can have an orthodox HR career where they just always stay in a, you know, internal role. Mm-hmm. Whereas you've made that transition and, and for any listeners who, aren't aware of what life is like on that side of it but maybe kind of curious to hear about it i just thought it'd be really good to kind of um unpick a little bit of that and just um you know talk through kind of your experience of it so let's let's kind of go back then um so so what was your kind of start your introduction to hr did you did you go to university did you like how did hr ever come on your radar because I always say it's not one of those things where we run around the school playground saying, I want to be in HR when I grow up. So <laughs> most people fall into it. Um, so yeah. yeah, how did it happen for you? Well, I can definitely say I had no idea what HR was when I really started or finished at, at college in, at the university. Yeah, I'd started off studying all things physical therapy and I just realized that the, the passion for sciences was not quite there all the way. And so I transitioned over to sociology, which extremely interesting, but not necessarily the most marketable skill set to have, you know. But I love studying group and individual interactions. I love just the concept of, of, of how that plays out in the real world, you know. Um, 
just I'm just fascinated by by people and their story and, and kind of how that is playing out in today's world. And so I think I that probably to... comes across in some of the content that you put out on LinkedIn that, you know, when, when I was talking earlier about that kind of, you throw up a kind of thought-provoking idea, you can yeah. kind of see that, you know, now you said I come from a sociology background. It could have been a psychology. You, I think it becomes apparent that you kind of look at the world in that way and, and you know, you, your juices get flowing from that kind of interaction of people rather than just prescribed hr maybe mm-hmm. so now you said it, i can i can see that definitely well and then i, I took that and I, I went to graduate school to study marriage and family counseling with the thought of potentially becoming a counselor and you know there's something odd about being in the program, really focused on you know, marriage and family counseling related issues, but not being married, not having kids, and like working in that space, you know, trying to understand how do I bring value to people and, and, and helpful information from a therapeutic standpoint without having necessarily the scars to prove that I know what I'm talking about, right? And, and so it was during grad school that I just got a part-time job working at, at a place that owned a bunch of cell phone stores around here. And this is when, you know, I mean, cell phones were really just taken off and it was just a high, very high demand industry to be in because the retail store was really holding it down at that point. Maybe not as much as it, not now, but back then it was all about the retail stores. And so through that, I was working in the accounting department, which was definitely not my uh, dream on the playground growing up either. And so after a while, a position opened up, the HR director left. And I was like, I kind of think that might be interesting based on what I know of what they do. Right. And so I just basically had raised my, raised my hand and was like, can I apply for, for a job in that, in that department? And we ran really, really lean. So it was like you were doing payroll, you were doing benefits, you were doing any kind of HR calls because we had, you know, probably 800 employees at that time in about 200 locations. And so my boss gave me a chance. And this is maybe a a lesson I'll impart on my kids at some point. Like I didn't love accounting, but I did a good enough job that when I applied for something else, they were like, we'll give you a chance, right? And if I hadn't executed on, you know, reconciling till reports and things like that, then I I probably wouldn't have gotten that chance. And so then I moved into HR without any knowledge of what to do or how to process payroll or do any of that stuff. And it just kind of clicked. I'm not scared the living daylights out of you, that you're now suddenly responsible (laughs) for the delivery of something that you have no idea how to do it. I think I was too naive to know otherwise, you know, <laughs> but I mean, thankfully the, the really tough back end, you know, the payroll taxes and things like that, the deductions and integrations with carriers and I, that was being done by a third party. So I, my role was more inputting information and making sure, but then, you know, if you've heard anything about us, HR, California is a very tricky state. 
And like my first assignment was like, hey, we have 40 locations in California. Those are going to be your responsibility. And so I was like, okay, here goes nothing. And it just, it just kind of worked out. I guess, I guess in a way though, doing the job that you do now, you can reflect and leverage back on that experience when you're dealing with companies who, who don't have HR, maybe haven't got a need for it yet. You know, you can say, well, I was there once, you know, I was in that, that company where, you know, Mr. Business owner or Mrs. Business owner, um, you, you know, you've got no experience with that, but trust me, I was, I was that, I was that person once upon a time as well. Uh, and I imagine mm-hmm. that gets you quite a bit of credibility when you're able to kind of, because you've come, suddenly got common ground, haven't you, that you're able to kind of, you know, align against. Yeah. Well, and I, I always try to keep, I can go back there in my mind really quickly to being in that position because my boss at the time would task me with some sort of responsibility and ask asked me to do it and I would nod my head and then I would go call up my HR consultant at the time and be like, Hey, what is FMLA? <laughs> like, what is this thing that we're talking about? Like, I, I don't know. And so they were very patient and helpful with me to kind of walk through. And so I try to be that way with them today, you know, to, to be not just a helper, but to be a teacher to them because ultimately the goal is never like, in HR, I think we sometimes make the mistake of someone comes to us, we fix their problem. And, and it's just this, it is very transactional in nature. But if you do that, or if you, the employee comes to you and gets what they want, where do you think they're going the next time? You know, And so ultimately, if the problem's with their supervisor, then you've got to make that work. It's not just 911 HR all the time where we can help you out. So I just try to take that perspective when, when, when working with clients. Where did you learn that? Because I'm I'm trying to put myself in your shoes. So, you know, probably I don't know what in your early to mid twenties, um, you were working in an accounts department. For some reason, I've got no idea why the HR director left, and you decided to put your hand up and say, "Can I have that job?" You stepped into that role. You know nothing about it. You're then um, kind of having to use an external service provider to to kind of do that. Yeah, I'm just trying to kind of put myself in your shoes at that 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 kind of point in time. It's it's then very mature to then assess the situation quickly and go right. Well, rather than every time they ring me, I fix it. And then, like you say, that just becomes a vicious cycle then of, well, they're always going to ring me because I'll be known as that that guy that fixes stuff. Actually, you know, it's like the old, um, the old saying, isn't it? Um, you know, um, give a man a fish, he'll, he'll eat for a day, mm-hmm. but teach him how to fish and he'll, um, he'll eat for life. How did you then... I guess the question was... When did that become into your, um, you know, vision, awareness of, of actually, if I just give them what they're asking for, if I fix the problem, that's creating a rod for my own back. Was it in that role? Did you pick it up early or did it happen later in your career? Well, the kind of 
<laughs> I guess sort of the dirty little secret about my career is that, you know, oh, now this is getting juicy. <laughs> so I was working in this position and I had a coworker who she and I basically were doing the same thing with just supporting different locations. So we were more or less equals and she, her husband got transferred and he was a pastor at a church and went to go work at a different one. And so she left and my boss told me, he's like, I want you, and this is in my 24 years of wisdom, I want you to make a recommendation on what we should do with this department going forward. And I was like, man, it's a lot of pressure, you know? I mean, I don't know. Any, I mean, I'm, I know how to Google at this point. That's about it, right? And so I, I put this proposal together and I basically created an org chart of what I thought the structure of the department should be going forward because we were growing, we were acquiring more locations. Like this, this train was moving fast. And so I presented an org chart with us bringing in someone to be my boss, like to be the head of HR. And then I would report to him or her, and then we would have an additional kind of a generalist type role underneath me. And I took that and was really nervous and making this big presentation because super great guy, but like a big intimidating dude as well, you know? And um, so I, I kind of slid this orbit chart across the table and made my presentation. And he took a pen and he scratched through the, my, the person that I was proposing to be my boss. And he goes, I think you can do it. Really? Yeah. I was had the same reaction. I was like, I, I, I mean, this guy believes in me for some reason. So after that, I I became the the director, for lack of a better words, and 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 hired a team, and we just kind of took it from there. But uh, that was sort of a pivotal moment when I was like, I'm jumping in the deep end. I'm going to have to learn how to swim somewhere along the way. Did he did he ever have a conversation with you why he uh, maybe kind of a little bit after of why he made that decision? Did he had he seen enough uh, in you to then think, well, actually, this guy just needs a little bit of um you know, kind of moral support? I I you know, from what I've seen of him, this guy could do it. He just needs more more time on the job. That that's you know, that's all it is, time served. I mean, I really think I was just very inexpensive at the time. Very low rate of pay. So, you know, you could get more bang for your buck, I guess. The chief is I mean, the director in the Midwest. <laughs> basically, yeah. Very low. Worked for free, basically. No, I mean, I'd done, I'd done enough ride and, and just was hungry enough, I think, that he, he felt like he'd at least give me a chance at it. And so then after that, I mustered up the courage to ask if he would potentially sponsor some continuing education and I could go take some more formalized HR training, um, some kind of mini semester, small course type thing so that I could prepare to get HR certification and things like that really just show me that I wasn't just learning how to do a job that I could actually translate this skill set to a profession. You know, because we can learn how to kind of repeat behavior, right, in a 
controlled environment or learn how, but it's like, I never wanted to be limited because you just never know what's going to happen. And, and I wanted to be able to land on my feet if I had to go find a job somewhere else. Right, everyone, we're going to interrupt the conversation to bring you some information on one of our own very favorite businesses, a company called Tenspace. We've been huge supporters of their work ever since the beginning and just absolutely love their approach to the world of engagement. However, I'm going to let Bethan from Tenspace tell you more about what they do. Hi, I'm Bethan Corley, Commercial Director at Tenspace. I just wanted to let you know a little bit about who we are and what we do. We've developed an employee engagement platform that supports organisations to build highly engaged, high-performing teams. We elevate the employee experience by bringing efficiency, professionalism and simplicity to gathering employee feedback. For people teams, it reduces months of work into minutes with built-in tools to help you understand your feedback and quickly action it. For employees, it offers a simple, trustworthy and engaging way to provide anonymous feedback via WhatsApp, SMS and email. Find out more on our website, tenspace.co.uk. Did, so, at this point, did you, had you decided, do you know what, actually, I think this is going to, I think I've found my vocation because up until this point, as you said, you know, you, you kind of moved around through a couple of different courses at, at university you then started off in an accounts role you know you've now got a, an amazing opportunity you know that very few people would have the chance to almost lead a hr function from the beginning of their career that's that's kind of you know what we're talking about here did you think well i'll give it a go for a little bit and if it doesn't work out you know there's always reconciling accounts I can go back to or was it actually I I think I could be good at this well you know I enjoyed you know living inside and paying my bills and doing things like that so there was some internal motivation around just life you know that we needed to uh, stay employed and so that was sort of primary but then secondary like I it did start to click like it did feel like a combination of the sociology and the psychology with a whole lot of the business stuff that I still needed to learn about, you know, because there was this moment in time where I made a really heartfelt recommendation and long email explaining why I thought the owner of the company should make a certain decision or go a certain direction and great guy, but he basically said, I, I appreciate your input, but that's, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go a different direction. And he's like, but you've done your job. And that was a, that was kind of hard, you know, because you're getting passionate and you're like, it's going to be this way. But anyone who's been in HR for any amount of time is going to get overruled on something. And it's, you know, there's calculated risk that goes along with that. And sometimes the owner is going to have to live with the consequences and that's kind of how it played out. But all that to say, it, it eventually did start clicking that I could create a career here because uh, as I started to, to get more experience, I started to get hungry and wanted to learn more about it and kind of start to build my own personal brand rather than just trying to, to be a good practitioner. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you stayed, you stayed there for quite a number of years. You obviously um, kind of um, 
earned your stripes, built up your your HR toolkit. Um, what you then kind of moved on to your your kind of next role? Yeah, so there from there I went with a actually a buddy who I went to college with. Him and his dad had started a medical equipment company and really needed a true HR leader to kind of help them kind of take it to the next level, I guess. And so that was tough because I, I knew what I, I was pretty comfortable in what I was doing, but also, like I said earlier, I wasn't sure if it would translate. I didn't know if this was like, if I actually was good at HR or not. And so this felt like a good challenge, a good next step. Um, but it was also experience in a different industry, different I mean, it was private equity based, which is a different animal too than privately held. And so it it was a good experience um, just kind of going in there, kind of assessing the situation and figuring out kind of where we needed to go from, from an HR perspective. And lots of really sharp folks there, really, you know, bribe people to kind of learn, kind of hone my own business skills, just being around them, you know. So that was kind of my next move. Um, for my career. And then after that, you know, I'm, I probably look like a job hopper if you look at my resume, but maybe I like the term job selector, you know, because I'm all about variety, you know, and that's probably what's led me into consulting, but I've had a number of different stops after that, but ultimately all has contributed knowing what I don't want to be and also learning more about the HR person I, I want to become. I think you've got a good spread though, you know, <clears throat> looking at your, your kind of um, career history you know, I've just got kind of your LinkedIn profile that I kind of scrolled yeah. through. You've done, you know, five, six, seven years in a company, then, you know, six months, one to two years in another. It's not as though you've kind of leapt around a lot, you, you know, with some you have quite a significant amount of tenure with um so there's obviously you know some roles must appeal to you there's maybe a bigger job to do um more challenging work maybe you just look like the environment and the company more mm-hmm. but i think you've got quite you know kind of solid background the, the the one thing that really stood out to me before we started the call that i was really interested in was that you'd always worked in a senior level role and i was that that was the kind of conundrum i was like how has he managed to get looking at his linkedin he's gone straight in as a hr director how has that happened but you know we've we've kind of uncovered that one but i guess you know my secrets yeah but i guess that maybe then kind of set that that kind of um career trajectory for you that you know you then it was such a big role your first one really you know it wasn't wasn't creating a HR function from scratch, but certainly um, growing into that and, and with an organization that was going through a huge growth trajectory itself, um, you know, there becomes a lot of responsibility with that and a lot of exposure that you wouldn't have done if you'd have just, you know, started in an entry-level role. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we don't need to go through kind of every single job for you. Um, I guess what I'm, I guess what... I'm really interested in, I, I want to get into some kind of um, debate and insight with you because I think that's where, that was what drew me to your profile in the first place. Um, and it's what I alluded to at the very beginning of this call. So maybe we'll just go kind of, I don't know, 
start kind of just talking about kind of general HR and, and see where that takes us. Um, and one of the things that we mentioned before that we were talking about um, just before we started recording was um, that kind of transition from um, transactional HR to really starting to add value. Um, and maybe it comes back to the question that I asked before about, you know, when did it become apparent to you that um, if you were just the fixer guy, then that's all you were ever going to be. Um, mm. If you kind of started to coach and educate, then you know it's the ripple effects. People are then doing um, kind of that work on your behalf. That if you teach them how to do it, the next time they're presented with that that challenge, that question, they'll they should know how to respond to it. So when did all this happen for you around kind of that awareness of one how to I guess, take HR out to the masses and make your job a little bit easier for yourself, but also bringing in this kind of um, element of, well, I just don't want to be a facilitator of transactional HR. I want to go into an organisation and prove the value that, that we can start to have and the impact that we can start to have. When did that happen for you in your career? Well, I've got... A distinct memory of starting to get involved in local HR events and associations around town. And because I, I just, you know, I knew that there was a lot more to it than what I had been exposed to. And I was kind of curious what that looked like. And meeting other folks that were in HR would probably help me along the way. And so I got really plugged in, but I, I can still remember one of my earliest observations of going to this kind of one day seminar conference with a variety of speakers and topics. And I'll be honest, everyone seemed grumpy. Really? Yes. They, and I just was very confused by this, you know, and I just, I didn't understand why the energy wasn't real good in the room and, and people didn't seem like they were having a good time and they were still having to like, they were, not in the office, but they were still putting out fires at the office. And it was just this kind of thing. They weren't even really able to be present, you know? And at that point, like I, I didn't have email on my phone. It wasn't work. Wasn't following me around quite to the same level. You know, I'd have to log into a, a laptop and get connected to Wi-Fi to, for me to be reconnected to the workplace. Right. I mean, that's, I just, that in itself is just a big thing about how, you know how amazing kind of cell phones are and mobile phones but how much of a burden they can be at the same time as well that you you, you can't ever truly switch off um you know that's that's a different agenda altogether but that that's a real yeah. kind of um acknowledgement to that you know world that we currently live in yeah you're right i mean you have to have healthy boundaries or it'll just take over your your life you know and that that's no good for friends or family either. So, um, so after that, just that observation, like I was like, you know, in the role that we're at, we've got such an opportunity to, to really help other people be successful. And by doing that, we're successful. Right. And it goes back to, like I said, you deliver on the basics, you execute with excellence, but ultimately there's a whole lot more that could be done, you know, beyond just 
you want something here, here's your fish, here's your fish, you know? And then also being with a company that had locations in multiple states, I physically couldn't be there to have some of the crucial conversations that supervisors need to have with their employee who's struggling or dealing with, you know, a general manager who may not have an HR background, but has grown up in retail and just, they're calling me wanting to know, we think this guy's stealing, what do we do about it? You know, like just kind of coaching through those moments, knowing that I can't be there. They're representing us. They're kind of temporarily wear the HR hat. The only thing I could do was, was to help coach and train them through that process, you know, and it was messy. Like it didn't, didn't always go well, you know, because we're still talking about human beings and the uncertainty of what could, could happen there. Um, and so it also, there's sometimes like a kind of a, an ongoing joke with um, when you want HR in the room, it's just going to change the overall vibe. It's going to change the tone. It's going to add a level of pressure and anxiety to everybody, you know? And if you've spent time with me, like, that's not my, that's not me. Like, I don't want it. I'm not that guy. You know, I don't want people to be uncomfortable and, and worried about that. Someone dropping the hammer on them. So I found it. Inevitable? Do, you, do you think, you know, I, I, I think I said this on a, an episode with um, Alison Dixon a few months ago that, um, yeah, if the if HR goes into a meeting, everyone's like, "Oh my god, who's going to be fired?" Yeah. If the sales director walks in, nobody goes, "Oh no, what's he going to sell to us? What you know? What am I going to end up buying here?" Like, why does that happen only to HR? You know, if finance walk in, they don't go, "Oh no, they're going to collar me over my expenses, or they're going to mm. they're going to slash my budgets." Um, is it just inevitable that is always going to be the, the the kind of um, the ball and chain that um, HR just drags around with it that you know we're just going to be perceived that way, or do you think it, it will eventually change? I, I think it's able; to, it can be changed. I think some people are doing a better job about that than others you know and one story that kind of came to mind is that a place i used to work at they moved into a new office building and hr kind of had their own area and it was a big hr department and you know one individual mentioned you know at the last building we got to see more people we were kind of out in the middle of things but no one's coming by to see us here and I kind of laughed at that because I was like, well, you go see them, <laughs> you know, I mean, they're in the same building they're maybe on a different floor, but you're going to have to go out there. Uh, Cause like, it was like one of those things where we even had a pool table and a shuffleboard and all these, we had a fun break room that no one used, unfortunately. And um, I kept saying, and I, and I even heard comments about, Oh, that's a waste of time. Or that's, it's just kind of this old school mentality. And I was like, I mean, HR can go play around a pool, you know, or ping pong or whatever. Like, what's the big deal? Like, if you if you don't invest in those kind of interactions, then you can easily be seen as the Grim Reaper when you come around, you know? And I was like, I don't ever want to be that. And honestly, 
if I have to let someone go that I at least have developed some understanding of not that we're best friends, but we have a relationship to where they know I'm not out to get them because, you know, there's very vulnerable moments that we have to step into and say, we need your performance to improve. And we want to give you the, the ability to do that and the resources, whatever that may look like, but you've got to own some of that too. You know, you take that approach versus, you know, it's always just slapping on the wrist or you're in trouble every time I see HR, then yeah, it's going to be hard to outlive that reputation. But I think it, I think it can be changed, but it just, it takes time and intentionality. It's, it, it's funny listening to you talk. Um, you know, my, my exposure to HR has what been 13 years now from me being in HR for what six of that um seven years I've I've kind of been recruiting in the HR space and it it's a little bit sad that you know you're still bringing up examples like that that people are still talking about you know individuals who haven't yet switched on to like you say it's a two-way street you know why aren't they coming to us well you know you've got the same number of legs they have you know you can right. you can you know you go to them it's like i remember i remember of um kind of one of my friends made a, a good point and, and somebody said to him um you know you haven't rang me in ages and he went well you haven't rang me either you know like right. don't point the finger at me mm-hmm. you know the, the finger kind of finger of blame is equally kind of on your side um yeah it's just a little bit you know how how are we still having these conversations about hr needing to get out there about oh just it, it, life can just be so much easier when you integrate yourself into the business when you when you know what the business makes whether it's widgets or the service that you deliver mm-hmm. you understand you know what the engineering team are doing what the sales team what their targets are um the deadlines that finance have to reach every you know month end um and then beyond that the intricacies of each individual each team you know what's going on in different people's worlds you remember that somebody was quite ill a while ago just touching base Mm -hmm. you know i just thought come over you know i haven't spoken to you while you go in i remember you were off for a month because of that you know sort of that operation is it all better now it's just really, really simple stuff. It doesn't have to be, mm-hmm. you know, forced. It can just be just being kind, just being inquisitive, being interested. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's surprising that we're still coming up against these situations where, um, you know, HR are operating, operating a closed-door policy. It's staggering. Yeah, it is. And unfortunately... I think some of that may stem from the fact that, you know, HR is often forgetting to really put their own oxygen mask on and take care of themselves. You know, we're often, you know, burning ourselves out, serving the needs of others, which, hey, it's part of the job. But a lot of times there's just nobody there for HR or you're dealing with such a high level of confidentiality that there's not anybody that you can really talk to about the craziness that's going on in, in, in our worlds. You know, I mean, I really think 
building it a support system for HR professionals is extremely important so that we're not going at it alone or going at it like it's always been and just really continuing to evolve throughout our careers because ultimately that's that's what the companies need and that's what the organization benefits from when if we're not developing ourselves then obviously you're going to plateau at some point and it's, it's just not going to be as good an experience as it could be if you were you know touching more impactful things with your company yeah you know the more the, the, this this will be something that you're you're not aware of um but the more that i kind of integrate uh, myself into um the hr space in i'll say in the us but primarily um kind of dallas and texas um and the more conversations i have with people and the more i engage and become aware of content um on linkedin the the community and the networking that goes on in the us for hr people is way 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 beyond what we're doing in the uk you know i, I was i was talking again for the listeners benefit i was talking about you know what i pick up on in terms of differences you know stateside versus um, kind of in the uk and and i think some of the conversations and the topics that we're talking about in the uk are um a couple of years ahead where they where they maybe are in the US but one thing i will say for certain is that that networking and that community so as you say you know sometimes it's a tough job it's a lonely job you can't always find people that you can confide in especially if you're in a standalone role um sometimes it might be the the ceo or the md or um, Sometimes it might not be if you disagree with, you know, as, as you rightly said, you know, you put a, a proposal forward and they they decide not to take it. That's smart. You know, you want to you want to have a good old whinge to somebody about that. Um, but mm-hmm. if there's nobody else in the company, your friends aren't really interested unless they work in HR. Your partner's probably not interested because they've got their own frustrations that they're carrying home. Right. And who do you talk to? Um, and I see a lot of that kind of getting together physically you know not just digitally but a lot of kind of physical you know when we spoke last time you were on your way to an event um and i saw the mm-hmm. pictures you were i think if i remember rightly you you kind of went to between you're all wearing kind of these crazy hats in the background um i think um yeah and we don't really have that in the uk you know there, there are a few digital forums um through facebook there's a really really big one in the uk um hr ninjas there's some smaller ones um but certainly not that level of you know there are in person events and we've got our governing body the cipd um but they they don't have the same feel they don't they're, they're not as regular they're not as um um kind of fun in a way Mm-hmm. you know from what i see in the u.s you, you sometimes there isn't even necessarily a, a, an agenda or a topic it's just about you know let's meet up and and network and have a chat and have some fun mm-hmm. at the same time you know the only really reason that i see people in the uk meeting up is it's like a conference as we you know as you said before right where everyone's there and still checking the phone i've held these mm-hmm. conferences we've got one in a couple of days and you see people around the room looking at the phone cancelling on the day because something's come up um that, that they've got to attend and that's one of the things i've really picked up on that there isn't that maybe 
support mechanism in place for, for HR professionals in the UK versus the, the US? Yeah, well, you're very, you're very prominent in that space as well, aren't you? We, am I, were you, you held the board position, is that right? Yeah, I was, I got to be president uh, for Fort Worth HR. I, I really live on the, the Fort Worth side of things and here in the Metroplex. And we're sort of unique in that there's four pretty prominent associations within about an hour of each other between Dallas, mid-cities area, which is between Dallas and Fort Worth. Fort Worth, and then there's one in kind of north of here in the Denton area. And so there's these four close groups that while I was president, I was like, you know, we've got, from a geographic standpoint, a pretty unique situation here that we've got four groups close to each other. We need to start combining our skills and combining our our, our, team, our folks together so that they can also kind of have additional connections and resources available because, when it comes to HR, I mean, somebody's been there and done that, right? And, and, and either made a mistake and don't want someone else to do it, or they learned something that they can share with somebody else, or if nothing else, they can tell a funny story that uh, everyone can relate to because they've seen that happen in their own place of business too, you know? So I always say you can't spill happy hour without HR, you know? So it's <laughs> it's, a, it's a, good, a good way to tell those not so... Uh, hypothetical type stories, right? But yeah, I do think we're good at it. And I, I would say to my earlier point, that vibe that I felt when I started off going to those conferences, I, I think it's changed dramatically. And I and I love just being able, like when I was president, one of my favorite things to do was just listen to people, like just that buzz of energy in the air when people are, are, are connecting. And I hated to be the one to have to interrupt it and be like, okay, we do need to like tend to business for the day. But I just loved hearing people connect and the kind of the laughter meter, you know, and just the fact that they're they're able to step aside and and just to to remember that they don't have to have it all figured out. And if they stumble along the way, there's people that can help them. So I think we're doing a pretty good job with that. Yeah. We um the last um kind of hr event that we did last year um we had three guest speakers lined up and and unfortunately um one of them wasn't able to make it she lost her voice on the day which you know when you're um delivering a presentation is is not ideal Um, Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um so we had to kind of improvise and, and i said you know what let's run a hr clinic for that session um you know we had 40 people in the room and I said, let's let's turn it into a, you know, let's use the power of the room where anybody who had an issue, I got them over lunch to write on a post-it note, you know, a question or a, um, a situation they may be struggling with or wanting to raise. And it turned out to be one of the best things that could have happened. And we've we've now kind of um kind of implemented it as a standard feature in all of our HR events to use this HR clinic where people can just raise something and then we open it up to the room and it, and it opens up debate and as you said you know apart from covid which none of us had ever dealt with you know there's pretty much somebody in the room has either mm-hmm. done it been there been part of it it's also something that they're dealing with so there's an opportunity for collaboration and it was amazing just to get that that um yeah just collaboration of, of kind of the whole group of people and I definitely see a lot more of that in the US um, to the UK. 
Um, but hopefully, you know, it's something that we can maybe start to try and do a little bit more over here. Um, yeah. I'm kind of conscious well, of time. We've got a few more minutes. Um, what do you think? What do you think makes a good HR practitioner? So let's say, let's say there's somebody in the earlier stages of their career who might be listening to us talking now. And what what advice could we kind of, or not we, that's the royal way, I'm just going to let you talk. Um, what advice could you maybe pass on if you were kind of face to face with them and they were saying, you know, what, what should I try and do with my career or the way I go about HR to make a bit of a name for myself, to deliver the best impact that I possibly could? A tough question, but I think if anyone can answer it, you can answer it. To me, the word I keep coming back to is, is just being consistently curious. You know, I, I've not been afraid to, to poke at things, which, you know, I've been with some organizations that are well-established, been around over 100 years, and they didn't always like me poking at things, you know. But I was always able to just say, well, why are we doing this? Or or could we potentially try it a different way, you know, and not trying to be confrontational, but just asking questions to understand, you know, what's, what's the why behind this. And so I would say, start with being curious. And, and, and that, to me, that's really closely tied with, with some humility because you're curious, but you're also listening and you're taking information back, you know, because I think as an, as a non-type A type person, kind of non-dominant, like I, I tend to like just li- I want to listen and hear what people's stories are and what's going on, you know. And it's not to say I'm not invested; it's just really I'm I'm taking in information and trying to kind of process things as we go along. Because to me, I, that's where I've learned the most, not by coming in thinking I've got to figure it figured out and throwing out my solution, but to honestly meeting people where they're at. So. I would say be curious. And then I also say be be bold in the fact that I was thinking of a story when you said about the networking groups earlier, there's a, uh, there's an office of Mercedes Benz located in the North Fort Worth area. And I'm not sure what all they, they do there, but the head of their HR department came and spoke at an event. And he, he told the whole group, and I'll never forget this. He goes, I'm going to give you my cell phone number. And any of you can call me if you have questions, but I know that none of you will. He gave his, the head of HR for Mercedes America, basically, gave his cell phone number out to a crowd and probably no one ever called. And I thought about that because I was like, well, why didn't I call him? You know, I, I was just going to say, surely if you knew that, I, I feel like you'd be the guy who would go, right, well, I'm going to get in touch. Well, I kind of regretted that for years, you know, and then another opportunity came up where I saw that someone had published a book on a topic that was HR related and kind of a faith-based element to HR. And I was like, well, that's, that's very interesting that he did that. Like I, I had thought about doing something like that and I just reached out to him and the author of the book gave me his cell phone number. And I had this flashback and I kid you not, we talked about an hour later. I was like, I'm calling this guy. I'm not going to make that mistake again. And so just stuff like that, just being curious and being courageous. I, I think if you'll do that, it'll definitely keep momentum going because ultimately that's how I measure 
job satisfaction. It's not by how happy am I to work here? Where do I see myself in five years? I just ask, is this, is this, is this job have positive momentum? Are we moving in a forward direction? And sometimes the answer might not be yes, but as long as there's momentum, there's hope. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, look, I'm going to recommend that um, everybody who's listening to this connects with Justin on, on LinkedIn. Cause as I said at the beginning, I think he puts out some really, really good content is, you're you're somebody who kind of puts yourself out there a little bit you know i've seen that you've done other podcasts there was a webinar um that was really really good that i watched a couple of weeks ago um it was kind of like a 10 minute mm-hmm. kind of bite size on on kind of a topic and that that was really thought provoking you know somebody isn't even in hr anymore i i really enjoyed watching that so you're you're very much somebody who likes to kind of give back to the hr space and you're very interactive in that side so i would definitely recommend so anybody who's listening, connect with Justin. Um, I'll when this goes out on LinkedIn, I'll I'll kind of tag him so you can just kind of follow through on that if you want to. Um, but look, just Justin, thank you so so much for today. It was an absolute pleasure. Um, it was good getting to know more about you, about you know your your story, um, how you've got to where you've got to, and your your um, take on the world of HR. I'll certainly be following and um commenting as i have been doing on a lot more of your posts because they're just enjoyable it's it's nice just to as i say i don't work in hr anymore but um i'm kind of in that that sphere still and, and i just like what you put out it's really really good stuff so yeah thank you very much for being a guest today yeah no thank you so much for having me i really enjoyed it and always great to connect with someone on the other side of the pond that's that's been really cool and there's another show in the bag I hope you enjoyed it and really appreciate you listening. We've received so much feedback from people who have said how helpful these conversations are and how the insights are helping individuals with their own careers. However, to get the podcast to a larger audience, we need your help. Please could I ask you that you'd write a review on whichever platform you're listening to this on, as it's the ratings and reviews which really help get a podcast promoted. So if you could spare just 30 seconds to write us a review, that would be really, really appreciated. In the meantime, I hope you'll join us on the next episode and I'll see you then. This podcast is brought to you by Hire People, a recruitment agency specializing in the HR and marketing professions. But we're not your typical recruitment agency. When I created Hire People, I very much wanted to rip up the rule book when it came to the model I felt a recruitment business for the modern times should adopt. I've been an internal recruiter as well as a HR manager using the services recruitment agencies. Some good, mostly poor. I've also been a job seeker on the receiving end of poor service from every recruitment agency I applied for a job through. It left me feeling despondent, non-supported and very much like a statistic. So I decided to do a Gandhi and go and be the change that I wanted to see in the world. Hire People was born from that desire to not only run a recruitment agency that has standards, but continuously driving those standards higher. We are highly innovative and introduce the number of features that distinguish us from your typical recruitment agency. We offer a six month, 100% rebate. We've introduced the innovative and groundbreaking Hired360 product, which has brought 3D CVs and 3D job descriptions to the market. And we very much place the emphasis on service, not sales. So if you're interested in working with us, get in touch and let's see how we can help.